what happens when the gospel hits a region. Because here's what I believe the Lord is saying. What I believe the Lord is saying is that part of the shift that I know that he's doing in my own life is this shift that I, I come to church or I, I pray and I worship and I learn and I do all of these things so that ultimately I attain freedom. Right? And the Lord said, Heather, what would happen if you believed that freedom wasn't the ending place? But that freedom is actually the beginning. Yeah. Freedom is actually the start. And what I what this verse is really telling us, right, is that Paul is basically he's he's just going to the place of prayer. Now here's what's interesting. Okay, I, okay, I got a couple tidbits about this. He's going to the place of prayer. It didn't say he was going to the synagogue. Okay? So he's going to find out where is the spirit of the Lord manifesting right now? Where is his presence? Where is his power showing up? And Paul's minding his own business coming into this town. He's like, let's go find out where God is. Let's go find out where the fire's happening. Right? And he's on his way. He's basically being like tormented by this lady, um, which incidentally... She had owners who were making money from her. And he finally gets so annoyed that he turns out, turns around and he tells this thing to be quiet. Now a lot of us would go, yay, miraculous, freedom, deliverance, woo, yes, we did it. But the funny thing was, is that was only the beginning. See, freedom, when the, when the presence of the Lord comes, there is a ripple effect that happens. So this girl gets delivered, right? Doesn't say why Paul was annoyed, right? Maybe he was just kind of tired of this hassle. But maybe, maybe for him, casting out a demon wasn't really that big of a deal. So he's just kind of doing his thing and ignoring it. And finally he's like, yeah, I've had enough of you done. And then just keeps walking. Right? And so... Let's just talk about what happens after that. So they have disrupted business. They have disrupted economy. <laughs> they have disrupted injustice. And they've brought freedom. So when business gets interrupted, economy gets interrupted because freedom happens. You know where I'm going, right? Yep. They drag him into the square, and they, they're like, these guys are throwing the entire city into an uproar. The entire city. No, I don't know that the entire city was in an uproar yet. But these guys are messing with our whole system. How would you like to be known as the people of God that are messing with the entire system because you brought freedom? God messes things up. I'm going to warn you. If you want revival, be prepared for things to get super messed up. Preach. 
So everybody joins in and they're like, all right, we're going to beat the heck out of you. You just need to stop. Yeah. I don't want to talk about that one. And then I'm going to put you in prison. And it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. It sounds like worship and intercession to me in the deepest, darkest places. What I thought was interesting is as there was worship and intercession, the other prisoners were listening. And there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Who knows that prayer and intercession shake foundations? Wow. Foundations. <laughs> All the way down to the bottom. And Every door flew open and every chain came loose. Government may or may not have been disrupted at this moment. When the jailer saw the prison doors open, He's ready to kill himself. The presence of God can hit people in such a way that they will become undone. And I love that it says, Paul rushes and says, stop. Do not harm yourself. The presence of God is not designed to destroy people. And we want to be the people that jump in front of them and say, no, this is not meant to destroy you. And he says instead, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus, you and your entire household. So marketplace has been disrupted, business has been disrupted, government has been disrupted, and now an individual is having an encounter with a living God. And he brings them home, and what does it say? His entire family gets saved. An entire family. Generations are shifted. May I remind you, one girl got freedom. One girl. Everything shifts. And what I believe that the Lord is wanting to say to us is freedom is just the beginning. And he will shift everything. And just for fun, the reason I took it all the way to the end is I love this, right? So verse 40 says, after Paul and Silas came out of prison, they went to Lydia's house, which by the way is kind of where they were headed to begin with. They go to Lydia's house where they met with everybody and encouraged them and then they left. <laughs> Just another day in the kingdom. <laughs> Just another day in the kingdom. Does my life disrupt? Do I see freedom as the end or do I see it as the beginning? I want to 
jump really quickly to, uh, Jesse asked us, uh, L'Oreal, and I'm not quite sure if she's going to make it up here or not. Do I have two minutes? No. What's two minutes? Yo. Yo. Okay. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> um, ask, ask L'Oreal and I, and I'm not sure, L'Oreal, just let me know if you've, if you've got something. Give a shout out. If you don't, I'll just keep talking until you do. She's telling me to go. All right. So Jesse asked us to talk a little bit about uh, Aruka Project, a little bit about Cambodia, um, a little bit, I'm gonna kind of tie these, these things in together to this verse, because I have been carrying this in my heart for a couple of years now, and I don't think I knew that I was carrying it in my heart. It was, um, the Lord birthed this idea of cultural transformation in my own heart in, in 2016. And I know that you know that L'Oreal and I work with women and particularly survivors of sex trafficking here in Santa Cruz. And so it's easy to imagine, oh, Aruka Project is just about sex trafficking. Well, Aruka Project has actually never been about sex trafficking, ever. Aruka Project has always been about cultural transformation. Because what is sex trafficking other than a physical manifestation of a spiritual reality? So while I have not been trafficked physically, I have been bought and sold by the enemy of my soul who hates me and always wants to offer me some level that if I will bow to him or I will bow to a lie, then I will be protected and cared for and safe. And the problem is the enemy is a liar and at the end of the day, I'm not protected or safe. He actually destroys me even more. So I know what it feels like to be trafficked in my mind and in my heart. And so part of Aruka has been about freedom. That's what it really is. It's about freedom. Because when a girl is set free, you either pull her out physically from a prison, or you pull her out mentally from a prison, or you pull her out emotionally from a prison, or you pull her out spiritually from a prison, that is just the beginning. See, see, finding victims, that's the easy part, by the way. That's not the hard part. That's the easy part. But when we bring freedom and deliverance and identity this girl begins to believe something about herself and she begins to believe that there's more for her. She begins to believe that there's a future for her. The entire dynamic of her family begins to change because now we've broken a family system. We've broken a household. We've changed an entire household now because one person gets changed. We change her generations. We change her future. Then we give her a little bit of just training, right? We find out how she's made and what she's wired for, and we help her find a job. We invite her to church so that she receives new community. She finds her way into the economy, and the economy is now changed because this girl is now set free. Everything changes. See, freedom is the beginning, not the end. When we were in Cambodia, um, Cambodia was a funny trip, and, and we really have not had much time to share a lot of it with you, but um, if you've ever been on a mission trip, 
How many of you have been on a mission trip? Okay, 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 so you know what I'm talking about. So there's often what I call the God moment. Right? In a mission trip, you're like, okay, this is why I came. This is the moment. This is the thing. God showed up. Yes! Well, I will tell you categorically, Cambodia was not like that. Okay? It was not like that. I, I remember telling L'Oreal about day five, I was like, did you actually hear God? Like, are we supposed to be here? Because I only have two choices here. Either you did not hear God, and I have no idea why we're here, or he's doing something so far beyond what I can imagine that it's bypassing my mind and my will and my emotions. I don't know what is going on. And I don't think we realized until we got back how much impartation we had received from this trip. And it is because when Abe went into Cambodia, they understood that freedom was the beginning. They could go and pull out, their first rescue was 40 girls. Okay, so you could go and pull 40 girls out. And one of the things that Abe says is there is no point in rescuing somebody if we don't have a future for them. If there is no restoration and there is no future, freedom is worthless. That is a hard word for some of us, but it's true. Yeah, that's good, Heather. If you go and share the oh boy, if you go and share the gospel with somebody, and they get saved, and you walk away and never talk to them again, rethink it. Come on. Because they are going to go back to what they know. If they don't have a hope and a future and a culture, because freedom is the beginning. Yeah, preach. That's good. And Abe understood this. So they bring in these 40 girls and they went, oh my goodness, what do we do with them? Okay, here we go. They need medical. <laughs> Let's just start there, right? I gotta get these girls, have them to the doctor. These girls are, a lot of them are very sick. We gotta give them food. We've gotta give them a home. Do you know what the promise is in America? Sex trafficking, do you know the number one driver of sex trafficking in America? Is the promise of family. There are more Romeo pimps in this country than there are what they call gorilla pimps. The gorilla pimps are the ones who think about that beat them and do all that stuff. There are more Romeo pimps that promise you, I will take care of you. I will give you family. I'll be your daddy. Don't worry. The number one thing a pimp is called is daddy. And you take somebody who's vulnerable and you promise them a father and a family. Why is the body of Christ right? We need to offer Father and family. Amen. So if we're going to pull people out, we need to offer them a father and a family. Yeah. And then they went to, what else do they need? Education, right? Uh, they opened, okay, job skills. AIM opened a culinary school. They opened a bakery. They have a gym where they reach out to the pimps. I feel like I'm missing something. They have an employment center where they train girls. They speak value and beauty and skill and a future. Uh, sewing, yes, thank you, yes, sewing. That's the employment center. Yeah, all that stuff happens at the employment center, jewelry making and that kind of stuff. So what we realized is that in 14, what we observed is that in 14 years, Swipok was originally considered ground zero for child sex trafficking 
in the world, this little tiny village. And it was so bad that Swipok was known as sort of the, what they called the fringe population. And this is where it wasn't just normal trafficking. This was where there was fetishes and very young children and every manner of horrid distortion that you can imagine, Swipok was the center for that. You couldn't walk down the streets. And what was interesting, I was watching a, a uh, if, if you want to get a revelation of this, watch something called The Pink Room. I was watching The Pink Room last night. That's a documentary that they made, and it was a little bit about their early processes. And one of the things that they said in The Pink Room is that when they first came in to Swipok, the community was angry with them because they were screwing up the financial business center. I think we just saw that. First thing they did is they, they just started messing with the money. And people did not want them there. You're hurting our economy. You're hurting our business. They got death threats. They got all sorts of stuff. But they kept moving. Right? And bit by bit, the first building they got was a brothel. That was their first building. It was an old brothel. They tore down all the walls. And they built their very first center there. And they began bringing in children. They started a daycare program, right? Rebuilding culture because freedom was the beginning. So they started building these children. They built a home, ARC, A Restoration Center. They took all these girls in and made a great big fat home for them that was full of beauty. They had a princess ceremony when the girls came in and they said, you belong here. When was the last time we had a guest and we had a princess ceremony or a prince ceremony for someone who walked in our door and we said, you belong here. You're one of us. This is your new family. We're going to introduce you to a father that loves you and mothers that will care for you. And so I want to tell, I want to end with a, a story. Uh, L'Oreal and I just went to Sacramento to the AIM Family Gathering, they call it, which is basically their big annual report where they come and they tell you what they've done. It's also their big fundraiser. A lot of people from Cambodia come over. It's a really, really special time. And they, they had a guest speaker uh, give a little testimony. And so every year, there's a lot of teams that go to AIM. Every year, there's this group of guys that goes to Cambodia. I forget, they have a fun name for them. I don't know, they're like the Hammer Eight. Uh, these eight guys from Sacramento that they go and they build houses. And so they build one house at a time, they raise all the funds, and they just sit by build houses. And so this guy was telling the story. This is like his third year or so there. And so he's like, okay, so there's me and like eight guys. And we land in Phnom Penh, which is the capital. And a lot of teams have private transportation, but these guys are so familiar with transportation, they just grab tuk-tuks. Okay, so tuk-tuks like a taxi, if you will. So they leave the airport, these eight guys, and they, they hail a tuk-tuk. And so you have to imagine eight white single guys coming to Cambodia. There is an automatic assumption of what they're doing there. Everybody in Cambodia knows what a group of eight single guys is doing in Cambodia. So they hail a tuk-tuk and the guy comes and they say, we're going to Swipok. And the tuk-tuk driver looks at him and says, no, swipe closed. Mm. 
SWIPOC closed. 14 years is all it took. They have hundreds and hundreds of employees. They have 14 different programs. They do home visits. They have a school. They, ha they have absolutely rebuilt this entire place with the kingdom. And as of the last report, they had pictures of children at 9 o'clock at night roller skating up and down the streets of Swipox. Safe. Shoot. Because freedom is the beginning. So I'm going to introduce Jesse to come up and let him take over because we are so excited to announce this. How many of you remember Titch and Joan Smith from Live Village in South Africa when they came last year to speak? Those people wrecked me. They, they, I want to be them when I grow up. <laughs> so um, we are very, very excited because in July, what's the month? July of this year, our little church is sending a team of five to go to Live Village in South Africa because Live Village has done exactly that. They believed that freedom was the beginning. Now, they didn't do it through sex trafficking. They did it through an orphanage and what they have done in South Africa. And we get to send a team there to go, to be a part of that, to serve them but also to go to Durban and another area, right? You'll tell a little more details about that. But what we're gonna do right now is I'm gonna ask you to go ahead and look at the screens. We're gonna watch a video of what is happening in Live Village right now. Working on that. Okay. <laughs> so while that's getting put together, um, Titch and Jones uh, Smith, they're, they're very, they're like, kind of like spiritual parents um, to Tom and Susie Brock. And what they pioneered out there in, in Durban has transformed Durban and South Africa and is the model that they're using at the UN to fight against systemic poverty. It came at this place of um, the kingdom, people being set free, encountering freedom, pioneering something in a city. Titch and Joan knew that if, they, if this was going to work, they had to first build a team, a ministry team of worshipers. Why do you think the point has been so focused on this thing called worship for so long. A standard has been raised, and I, and I hear it in the spirit. I hear the Lord saying, there's a paradigm shift coming to Santa Cruz County. And to show up to a group of worshipers, people who are burning with, with hearts that are pure. And through the body of Christ, I'm going to release a blueprint for transformation. So we are, so we are kind of in this place of absolute faith. When Titch came here with Joan, <clears throat> you know, I looked in his eyes and he started just to weep. He was like, I'm home. Our little crew. I mean, he's, they pioneered this thing. It's touching the world right now. And he came to our little community and said, I'm home. And so we began to kind of build this connection. And then, of course, through Tom Brock, Tom's very connected to Titch and Joan. And he's like, Jesse, what you guys are building in Santa Cruz with multiple churches, 
I've only seen it in one other place in the world, okay? In South Africa, St. Peter's, wait, I'm not saying, uh, 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 not Durban. Uh, let me get my notes here. Where, where is that? Port Elizabeth, South Africa. In Port Elizabeth, there are four churches functioning kind of like the way we're functioning here with our partners. And he said to me, uh, uh, Tom Rock said to me that um, in June of this year in Port Elizabeth, four churches that have gotten around Titch and Joan and Live Village are hosting an outreach to their city that's going to reach the entire city. It's taken them a year to put together, but it's the most effective outreach in that city put on by three churches that got around what Titch and Joan and Pioneer. The Lord began to speak to me about, he's like, you can't just read the book about it. You can't just watch uh, uh, you know, the, the, the thing about it we put together. You gotta go out there and get around it and then bring it back to Santa Cruz. If you know me, I, I'm a family man. You know, I haven't traveled like in 15 years, a long time. But I really felt in my spirit that I said, you know what? If I'm going to do this, my wife is going to have to there fully get behind. She'll have to fully endorse it. So I'm like, I will see. I said, Amber, there's a trip. I thought I was supposed to go. South Africa. And she says, you're supposed to go. Go. Amber. I mean, if you know her, she's like, you know, she's awesome. But I'm like, whoa, Holy Spirit. This is, this is you. So watch this video. This is a seven-minute video on Live Village, what they pioneered there. Again, we're talking about South Africa. That's a different continent. But how the Lord works is the same. Identifying what the issues are in a region and then creating solutions for real problems. So, so, so this is kind of what they've done there. So let's watch this video here, and uh, I'll come back in a second. It's a place where as the sun rises, you hear the laughter of children. It's a place of faith, hope, justice, and love. It's a place where our lives are being changed. It is our home, Live Village.
Smith, who we call Baba Smith, and his wife John, who we call Coco Smith, fed and looked after children in the Amawoti Township for eight years. Amawoti is one of the largest informal settlements in South Africa. They did many wonderful things, like a back-to-school program for 600 children and teenage empowerment projects, teaching life skills, supporting 27 crutches, assisting and counseling families in crisis, and employed 16 previously and employed members of the community. In April 2010, Baba and Coco Split hosted a big banquet dinner for 4,000 guests at the Durban International Convention Center to share this vision of the village. Everyone got on board from government to business to churches. They bought 83 acres of farmland and the building of the village began. This first village will have 150 homes for 150 trained foster mothers and 1,000 kids like me. We also have a school from crash to metric with top academic and sports facilities, an early childhood development center, medical clinic, and a business development center. On the 9th of August 2011, the first mom and children move on to the village. Everyone celebrated as the first families moved into their new homes. Because we know in their new home, the story will begin. I have been rescued. I am being restored. I am being raised up. And I am going to be released as a star. From then, new brothers and sisters and mothers came to join our new family all the time. But not only does our new family grow and love the village, but also in the world. Many people have come to see this dream become reality. Many people have become lab ambassadors, creating awareness for children like me. Wearing their love wristband with pride. Raising funds. Running. Swimming. Playing sports. Going on adventures. Or volunteering at the village. We also see the community around us as part of our extended family. At love, we have everything we need. So it's important for us to support our neighbors who don't. It's so much fun to give food and love to those that need it the most. Baba Smith also knew that the village has to be self-sustainable and eco-friendly to work for future generations. Love Business was birthed to invest in businesses to provide for their sustainability as well as to create jobs. Love Business is a 100% broad-based black-owned company. With us, the children of Love Village benefiting 100%. We already have many partners. But this is just the beginning. The future plan is to see many villages across our land, raising future leaders and turning scars into stars by providing a fresh start in a supportive community. There are over 5 million
vulnerable children in our nation and thousands are added to this number daily. South Africa needs many, many villages across the country in order to turn our biggest problem into the solution.
Is he here right now? I don't have a <laughs> The reason why I share this is because timing, of all the times that, 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 that she could have shown up in our lives, she showed up as we're preparing as a community, as a faith community, to pioneer city transformation. Yeah. Knowing that the issue here in the city is the orphan spirit. There are many people here that, that, that don't know how to engage in family because of this orphan spirit. I asked Joan when she was in town, I told her this. I said, Joan, the issue here is people are orphaned. People are coming to this town as a place of respite. Because back home they have trauma or they're hurt or whatever, and they're coming to the ocean to get solace and respite for their soul. That's why they're coming to Santa Cruz. So we're getting orphaned-hearted people coming in here to try and recover from trauma. Am I preaching to anyone right now? I mean, a lot of us are here because we're searching for a place of respite because our families and our situations were broken, and we just wanted to get, get, get somewhere where we could find some peace. So we came to this town, and now we have a town of orphan-hearted people that, that are pressing into the Lord, but we don't know how to break through. And I, I hear this, the Lord is saying, uh, um, find people that have brought in the orphans and have successfully brought them through that orphan spirit into a place of sonship. Wow. Guess who he sends? Titch and Joan. So I asked Joan, I said, Joan, how do you, um, how do you transition an orphan? Because that's what we're doing here at this church. And what she says is, you give the orphan something to believe in that's bigger than themselves. And they'll forget about their own trauma. And they'll begin to serve a greater vision. She said that is the secret to Luke Village. <coughs> that was a year ago. And here we are, planning a trip to get around them and bring back what they built. Now the trip is, is very, I mean, it's, you know, to fly to South Africa, it's about $2,000 a person, about $10,000 total to go out there. And I hear the Lord saying, this is a drop in the bucket. Yeah. This is a drop in the bucket. This is not, this isn't, this is a small thing. This is a small part of it. We, we're, we're going out there to build partners, but also to get what they've been carrying. Last week I said this, I said this, I said, I believe that the Lord wants to use the point, this community, to usher in city transformation. Yeah. And I'm going first. Yeah. Come on. I'm going. I believe it. I believe it fully with all my heart that God has chosen me and he's put me in this generation, in this time in history to pioneer transformation for a city that needs real solutions. So we're not playing church here. Like we're saying we're going to worship God like fiery, fearless ones and get and pull in actual strategies to set our city up so, so things can begin to happen. This is why the church exists. This is why Acts chapter 16 is so important. Because what Paul gets a hold of is deliverance occurs, freedom is experienced, and then they step into something radical, something transformational. So this is all a part of what God's doing right now, and I believe this is just the beginning. We started by faith, worshiping together, getting around the presence, getting free ourselves so that we can become solution and freedom to people who haven't yet experienced it. We serve a vision that's greater than our own. And because of that, the orphan heart in a lot of us has been dealt with. Come on. Yeah. Wow. So what I'm going to do right now is, is take a minute 
And I want to just worship with some people in the room for the next five or so minutes. As if we believe with all of our hearts that this is not just a church service or a worship gathering. But God is imparting strategy into his bride to become a real solution to real problems. So we're not just coming to church to worship. We're encountering his presence 24-7, gathering with people that believe that God is greater, and then becoming the solution out there in the city. So let's do this. Let's just go ahead and stand to our feet. Amen. I want everyone in here who has worked with the mentally ill, Matt, Christian, Gigi, y'all, come up here, and come here. Because we're talking about going into the darkest place of a city. You know what I'm saying? Santa Cruz, my friends, is infested with the mentally ill, the addicted, and the homeless. And these cats right here, dogs, have all worked with the mentally ill. Hour after hour. No one has noticed them. Their names are not on any billboard. They're not on TV. They work with the mentally ill. They come out of the mentally ill and go back and shine light into darkness, y'all. They shine light into darkness. So I want to recognize these people publicly in the name of Jesus for all the work that they do. So let's give them a hand. Quite quickly, it, 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 